I love wrestling. I wish I would have been a wrestler. I'm talking high school wrestling, college wrestling, NCAA. My guest today, Bo Nickel, he is a stud. He wrestled at Penn State, multiple-time NCAA champion. He was known for throws and sticking dudes, pinning them fast. He's just an awesome person. I love his mentality. I love his discipline. Everything he talks about in this podcast is exactly how I try to live my life, and I hope you all get something out of it. He has transitioned into his MMA career. He just won his first bout. It ended quick. He's got his hands going. He's learning submissions, his kicks. He looks great in the octagon now, and I think it's just awesome to have Bo Nickel, again, Penn State, multiple-time NCAA Division I wrestling champion, Bo Nickel, on the podcast. This Life Ain't For Everybody, brought to you again by our friends and family at the one and only Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I've sat back just the other night and watched Bo Nickel fight with just a tiny bit of Jack Daniels in my cup over some ice cubes. And it just, it just brings it right. It brings all, so much culture and so much good vibe into a lot of our situations. We believe in moderation. We believe in responsibility. And we believe in the friends and family that we share Jack Daniels with. So, again, Bo Nickel, This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Jack Daniels. I hope you all enjoy this. What are you doing in New York? You got media or what, what's going on there? <laughs> no, so some of my – teammates are wrestling in the world team trials so i decided to come and um, support those guys so it's kind of last minute thing but uh yeah i'm glad to glad to be here just to support some of them teammates when you say teammates you mean from a club or are you talking about from scrap life or what well actually both so uh mini line wrestling club teammates and uh you know guys that came to penn state and stuff so uh but they're also in scrap life as well. So the guys that I'm watching, David Taylor, Jason Nolf. So hopefully they will be, you know, world team members after uh, tonight. Is, is Taylor, the magic man, the, the, one of the best offensive wrestlers to ever play the game? I'd say so. I mean, the dude lights up the scoreboard. He's always scoring points. So yeah, I mean, in my mind, without a doubt, he's probably, uh, yeah, one of the best to ever do it. So give me an idea. Like you're you're in you're in uh, you're at the NCAA's that took place this year in Iowa or Nebraska. Were, were they in Lincoln? No, they they were in Detroit. 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 Were they in Detroit? What what am I thinking of? Was it the what was in Lincoln this year? Was it the there was something I don't remember. There was a big tournament in Lincoln. I was up there snow goose hunting. I can't remember what it oh, was, but big big tens. Big yeah, the big tens. Yeah, the big tens. Um, what was it like watching your alma mater win again? I mean, is this, is it like a no brainer now? Is it like, you know, it's going to happen. It's if you can't take wrestling for granted, I get it, but gosh, this, this freaking run that they've put together has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this year was especially cool because the team went through a lot of adversity, you know, with injuries and, uh, you know, COVID people getting sick, stuff like that. So, um, just to see those guys come together at the end and, you know, do so well and, I mean, they won, they won five, uh, five national titles, which, you know, it's only been done four times in the history of, you know, NSA wrestling and two of them have been by Penn state in the last five years. So just to be able to accomplish that and see those guys, it was, I was super happy for them. Mostly just happy because I know what they went through to get there and how much work they put in. So yeah, I mean, love to see Penn state winning. How, how does the mentality happen, Bo, when, when, when you have that much attention on you and you're almost expected to win, right? Like you come from this program, you're a multiple time NCAA champion, all American. You like, you, you're one of the the finest college wrestlers I've ever watched. Amazing. And now you're on to your MMA career, but how does the mentality start where the, the, does the coach keep it loose? Does the, do the wrestlers and the members of the team already know what their expectations are when they enter that gym and get on that mat for the first time to where is there, is it any of it high stress or any of you guys stressed out that you have to perform to the point to where you work yourself up into a frenzy and you, your muscles won't even let go and loosen up sometimes because you guys got a lot of attention on you and you're expected to win every single match. Um, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say there? Yeah, I absolutely know what you're saying. Um, and you definitely, there's a lot of tension and a lot of stress involved with it. I mean, it's a high pressure situation and, um, 
I think that what it comes down to is that if you, if you are more stressed and worried about what other people think or what the coaches think, or, um, worried about your performance relative to other people, then, you know, it becomes a negative and, and it starts to control you and your emotions and your feelings going into competition. And so for me, I, I've felt that before, but I feel like as I matured and, and grew and understood who I am as a person, it became more of a, a stress and a, um, like, I guess not worry, but more of a stress and a, a feeling that came internally. So it didn't, I didn't really ever at that, like when I was young, I cared about it, but now as I'm more mature, I feel like the biggest stress and the most pressure is brought on me by myself. Like I want to win because of me, because of who I am, because that's ingrained in me because God made me competitive. And, you know, for me, that's just part of my nature. And, and I'm, I'm not here to just compete. I'm here to win. I'm here to dominate. And so I think that's the a healthier way to look about it, look at it and a healthier way to like feel that stress and that pressure, because if you're feeling it from outside sources that you can't control, then you're really letting go of control and you're, you're letting your surroundings determine how you feel and think and act. But if, you know, for me, I know the biggest pressure, the person that puts the most pressure on me is me. And I want that pressure. I love it. I live for the big moment for, you know, being able to put all that work in and it all culminates with this, you know, championship match or fight. And I, and it's all on the line right here. Like, I love that. That's what makes life fun for me. And so I feel like that's what I've come to find as a healthy balance of it, where, you know, I, I still put, I put more pressure on myself than anybody else. You know, you're, you're, nobody's going to set expectations for me that are higher than what I set for myself. And so I think, you know, that's when you see kind of people rise above it. It was when they go internal with that pressure instead of, uh, you know, letting the, their surroundings determine it. Where do you, where do you put yourself, you know, internally, you start talking about internalizing pressure, you internalize focus. You have a lot of demands that you put on yourself. Well, now you take this lifestyle of a, a, NCAA badass in the in the in probably the, the toughest sport individual I mean this is I know it's a team sport but there is so much individuality that goes on when you're out on that mat competing you go from hours and hours and hours in a gym sparring wrestling doing throws defense conditioning like it's non-stop to be in the shape that you guys get in to be that high caliber of an NCAA wrestler then you start talking about world team and Olympics and you cha- you you're going the route to where now you got to spend just as much time in the gym because not only do you have to stay in shape with your conditioning and your cardio and making weight you have to make sure that you're learning a lot of new tricks of the trade that wrestling can be the base and most of the greatest MMA guys in my opinion my favorite fighters had a great wrestling base um is it hard to get fired up for that when you're like, you're relearning all of these different aspects because you've adapted very well. You're winning fights. You just won your, 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 what they're considered your, your, your premier coming out of the cage kind of MMA battle. You just, we're going to get into that in a second. Cause it was amazing, but you got to spend a lot of time learning now again, because you were at the top of your game in wrestling and now you're starting over, whether it's, whether it's the, the martial arts, whether it's the boxing, throwing hands, how does that mindset work in somebody like you i know you're competitive but now you got to go back to being a student yeah it actually it actually makes it more fun for me uh to be able to start over you know and and kind of uh you know begin from square one and and honestly just like get humble again just work on the basics and that's something that i i preach in wrestling when i teach and coach kids or do clinics like i'm like hey like I can show you a million cool moves, but like, that's not really going to help you be a better wrestler more than likely. Like you, maybe you hit one and you know that might be cool, but like I can show you footwork and I can show you hand fighting and this basic stuff. That's, what's going to actually help you. So for me now, like I'm in a position where I'm a novice, like I get to learn all these different martial arts from square one. And luckily I have great, you know, coaches and mentors around me who know what they're doing. And that's exciting for me. That's fun because I know, how much there is to learn and you know when like 
for wrestling, obviously I still will always have more to learn, but like I'm at the 99th percentile, you know, and I'll never get to hundred percent, but like, you know, I can get 99.1, 0.2, and like 0.1 increase in wrestling might take me six months. Whereas now, like I have, I'm at zero and I have all this to learn. And so I can, you know, make big jumps every single day and get so much better. And, and that's exciting for me. That's, that's a fun part of the sport too, is just learning, growing, getting better, better, studying it. Because I always looked at wrestling as my craft, as like my passion, what I was pursuing, you know, not just something I did, but I just, I lived it. And now that's the same for MMA. Like I live it. I watch film. I study it. I, I just enjoy it so much. And so for me now to be able to have the opportunity, I look at it as an opportunity to learn all this stuff. It's, it's fun and exciting. Do you, do you look at it like <clears throat> when you got to pump the brakes, you got to, you have to be strategic when you're at this level of the game, because you're used to that big match. You're used to that spotlight. You're used to, Hey, Bo's on the mat. Everybody pay attention. You're getting ready to see some big throws. You're getting ready to see a, a pin. You're one of the best pinners in the game, in the history of the game, in my opinion. You, you have to pump the brakes now because now you're throwing hands and you're knocking dudes out, like knocking them out cold. But there's also different levels of this MMA game to where you can't be like, hey, coach, put me in there with you know the top of the game at, at 185 or whatever weight that you're going to go into. Is it hard for you to pump the brakes and not want to jump right into that big time match right now because you're so used to being in that big time match? Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. You know, I, I obviously you know, <clears throat> want to be at the absolute top of the sport and I want to do it fast. And so for me, it's about having good management team around me and, you know, good coaches that are, that are helping lead and guide me through this process and, and just respecting the process because anything, any time you're pursuing something great, there's, there has to be a process. It's not just, Oh, you decide you want to do something and all of a sudden you're the best in the world in 24 hours. So for me, it's respecting the process and then enjoying it too, because obviously I have big goals and I know what I want to achieve, but achieve like the moment that I achieve that it won't be in that moment. It'll be, you know, from moving from now on until then every single day training and growing and getting better as a, as a mixed martial artist. And so that's just as fun for me as achieving my goal is, is that, path that I decide to take and that that process and development that I get to have uh in getting to that goal you made a comment a couple of minutes ago Bo Nickel about being humbled again I know that you're a very humble person but here's the deal there's a lot of ego that goes into being an American badass and, and in this game in the, the new game that you're on there is what they call selling the fight if you go back to when i was growing up it was don king and mike tyson he was selling this this man named mike tyson of the greatest heavyweight of all time and mike tyson was beating up grown men in their 30s when he was 18 years old and he became the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world he went on to earn millions and millions of dollars per fight and a lot of that is the way they sold the fights you can fast forward to the Conor McGregor days. He was great at selling himself. He put himself in a position to earn a lot of money, whether it was the Mayweather fight, whether it was endorsements, whether it was owning businesses like Proper 12. He was able to create this character and sell himself. I don't know if Conor McGregor's really like that when he's laying in Ireland. I don't know. But you made a comment about humility and humbling yourself again. On one of your threads the other day, on one of your posts, it says, are you not entertained? This is something that has been said in professional sports and in the WWE for years. Are you not entertained? Are you going to become one of those guys that is a smack talker selling the fight? Because there are heroes of yours in mind, like Dan Hendo Henderson, that never really did that. He just looked at people and grinned and said, okay, we'll settle this in the ring. He might not have been the best at selling a fight. He just wanted to fake a takedown or a double leg and then hit him with the H-bomb and knock him out cold. How do you see your MMA career going? Are you going to get a little bit more boastful and mouthy because you're known as somebody that just kind of takes, takes the wrestling as it comes, as you're part of the team, nobody's bigger than the Nittany Lions, and, and I'm just part of this, this experience. You know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, yeah, I, I get it, absolutely. I, know, I think there's definitely an aspect to the game and to the sport of marketing yourself and you know the crazier things you say uh you know the more eyes are on you and this and that and, and for me it, i just want to stay true to myself and stay true to who i am you know i don't need to create a character um 
that I need to act like a certain person. Like this isn't the WWE, you know, this is real life. And so for me, like I'm going to fight somebody in a cage. It's not an act. It's not a show. Yeah. It's entertainment. You know, people come and watch and, and pay money to, to see it. So there is entertainment value, but at the end of the day, like I'm getting locked in the cage with another human and we're going to fight. So with that being said, I don't feel like I'm a hundred percent in the entertainment business and the, the marketing business of marketing myself. I feel like what's most important to me is staying true to me. And I just love fighting. And I think that if I keep that, you know, genuine approach and attitude of, you know, being who I am, no matter what, I think people will resonate with that and appreciate it and want to watch me. I, I don't think that like, like, I'm not a boring guy. Like I think I'm, I'm exciting just being myself. So I don't need to act a certain way or say anything crazy. And so, you know, if the, when, when opportunity arises for trash talk or whatever, like I feel like I, I want to be respectful of everybody that I fight, but at the same time, like I believe in myself and I know what I'm capable of. So if people want to talk crazy, like we can talk crazy. And then at the end of the day, we're going to get locked in the cage and figure it out. So you know, I'm not afraid to say what I think and, and be myself. And if that leads to trash talk, great. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be winning the fight. And that's what I feel like matters the most, you know, because people can talk crazy. But if you don't win, nobody really cares. No one cares. Why do you love fighting, Bo Nickel? I mean, wrestling, you grow up as a kid and you're in a singlet and you got your club. Then you get into middle school and high school and, and, and summer traveling squads and clubs and it becomes part of this mission of, of almost like that, that, that Roman gladiator, right? It was like the the first original Olympian sport. Um, but now you're making people bleed. You're hurting people for a living. You are taking a chance of getting hurt. We were taught growing up, you know, you can settle it on the playground, but the bigger man walks away. We heard that so many times in our life that you can just walk away from confrontation. Even in a world where I think most people need to be punched a little bit and just to be straightened out sometimes, I, I look at it like we were taught not to fight. Now, when you're a wrestler and you have that background or you're boxing and you're in Mighty Mites and your gold gloves, all that, you respect the craft and the science. But we were still never really taught to go in and beat the SHIT out of somebody. Why do you love fighting? Why at this point in your life of being married and going into fatherhood and all of this stuff that you're getting ready to embark on, why do you love to fight, Bo? That's a great question. I think, you know, I think it's multi, the answer is multifaceted. There's a lot of reasons. I think before I say the reasons that I do like to fight, I'll say one thing that I think is important is, I don't really like hurting people like that doesn't excite me or entice me like there's no anger in me that wants to go hurt another man like I don't really feel like when and 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 you know since I've been an adult in college and stuff I've never even been near getting an alter into an altercation in the street like I will never fight in the street and that's you know something that it's not in me to like be angry at somebody and like want to hurt them physically. So I think that's important to, to say, but to continue on to the reasons that I do love fighting one, I feel like it's just, it's in me, it's in my DNA. And I think it's in all of our DNA to some extent. Like if we're on this earth right now, somebody somewhere in our, in our bloodline had to fight somebody to get here. Like whether that was in a war or just like somebody's trying to, you know, steal your food, whatever, like, Somebody way back when in your line had to fight. So I think we all naturally have, like, if, if you take a, a, a mom in the suburbs and she's walking her kid down the street and somebody comes up to her and tries to grab her kid and take her away, take, take your kid away, that mom's going to fight that guy. She's going to fight him. She's going to try to beat the crap out of him and stop him from doing that. Like, that's just kind of naturally in us. So I think that, you know, for me, that's just a little, I have stronger signals and, you know, a stronger inkling to, be involved with that because I love fighting as a kid. Like, and I wouldn't really fight people in altercations, but me and my friends would get together and we would fight like for fun. Like that was just something I loved to do from a young age, from seven, eight years old. Like I just like fighting. And I think, you no, know, now as I grow up and try to, you know, understand more about myself, 
I love the game of fighting. And like you said, the science that's so it's, it's such a exciting thing to do. It's to me, the most exciting thing you could do is get locked in the cage with another human and, and try to fight. And it's like a, a strategic chess match that I don't have 30 seconds to think of what move I'm going to make next. I have to do it right now in a split second and all my training and all my mental capacity and everything is focused on that in that immediate moment. It, it's the most present you can be in life. And I, I just love that aspect of it, that, that chess game, that, you know, ultimate risk of it's like a simulated life or death situation where I got to figure out what to do to manipulate my opponent and put him where I need him to be so I can take advantage of the situation and I have to do it in a split second. So, you know, that, that to me is like the, the coolest thing because, you know, a lot of people get adrenaline rushes off of rock climbing or whatever it is. And it's like, you have time to kind of make your moves and, 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 and see where you're going to go and plan it out and, and, and kind of just sit back and, and wait a little bit, but in a fight, like you got to do it right now. And it's the ultimate, like immediate risk and reward and, strategy game that you got to figure it out and there's another human trying to do the exact same thing and so it's just all really fun for me and i just love all of it i made a comment a while back that i think that wrestling is the foundation to a great mma fight i'm not saying that you have to have it but it it's pretty prominent and the greatest of all time in my opinion um but not all the great wrestlers transition to this mma game there's a lot of great wrestlers that have come out in the last decade or even the last three decades. You take one of the greatest NCAA wrestlers of all time in John Smith. The, the, he didn't transition to the early days of the UFC. And you can name a lot. I can name a lot of wrestlers that did not. Why did you? How did you know you had it? Was somebody telling you? Did you have an angel over here and a devil over here saying, do it? Don't do it. You can do it. You don't have the hands for it. You have the stamina, but you don't have the quickness. You don't have the footwork. You know what I'm saying? Like, how did you know? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go from being an NCAA legend in wrestling to building an MMA career. So it definitely started as a young kid when, you know, watching the UFC, watching fighting on TV, just seeing that, like, I kind of admired it. You know, I was a fan of the sport. So it was always in the back of my mind. And probably halfway through college was when I first got a taste of, like, actually, you know, doing other things, actually, like, like trying to do jujitsu, trying to, you know, hit pads and box and stuff. And as soon as I like got a little taste of it, I was like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm doing this like hundred percent. And I, I think that what attracted me to it was, you know, kind of what I said, the reason that I, that I love it was the same reasons that I love wrestling because it's the strategic chess match and, you know, seeing how you can manipulate and take advantage of your opponent. And uh, it's exciting. And fighting is that like, times 10 because you know if in, in wrestling if there's a hundred ways to beat your opponent there's a hundred thousand ways to beat them in a fight you know because there's so many different aspects involved between wrestling grappling jujitsu striking you know boxing muay thai kickboxing karate like there's um, a million ways to beat your opponent and it's such an open-ended question that uh you get to be creative in and figure out ways to do that and so for me that was like what excited me about it and what got me, you know, really passionate about it because, you know, what I loved about wrestling, all the things that I loved about wrestling were there in fighting as well, but like multiplied. And not only that, but it's on a bigger platform where more eyes are on it and it's more exciting fights. And you know, I can have the opportunity to headline a pay-per-view event that gets watched by millions of people around the world and, and, be able to share my hard work and, and my craft and what I'm pursuing with so many individuals. That to me is like, you know, like I said, it's just the exact same reasons that I fell in love with wrestling, but everything's multiplied. Everything's on a bigger scale. You say bigger scale. Let's, <clears throat> let's touch on your, 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 I guess it's your premier MMA fight, like your first big professional fight. It's touted as, you know, you are, you've had some fights in the amateur part of this, but now you're considered a pro, which in most cases means you're getting paid to be a fighter. It's kind of cool, kind of really cool that you're getting paid because let's be honest. I mean, I, I think Gable's going to make some money in the WWE, but I don't know. I don't know unless you develop a brand or you're, you know, making apparel or doing something, maybe you have your own shoe line. 
there's not a lot of money in traditional folk style wrestling. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's super fair to say. I mean, I think people where it is now relative to 10 or 20 years ago, there's definitely a lot more, but I mean, relative to other arenas, it's very, very small. Very small. Now you have a chance to make money being a fighter. And you even said it uh, just a second ago that you have a, you have a chance to headline and have millions watching you take me back. This is your first fight. Is the mentality in the, the locker room, the warm up room, the same as it is before you come out under the big lights for an NCAA match representing Penn state. Is it the exact same mentality in the way that you felt? Did you, did you have this overall sensation that comes over you to, for lack of better terms, it's the eye of the tiger and it's Rocky Balboa starting to listen to that song as he starts to jump rope and warm up a little bit. Is it the same exact feeling you had when you would run out there and represent the Nittany lions? You know, it's really similar. I would say it's, it's very, very similar. There's definitely uh, some differences I think that with wrestling, you know, you go into a wrestling match and the worst thing that, you know, can happen is you get pinned or, you know, you get beat, right? Like the guy scores a bunch of points on you, takes it down. And it's like a little, you know, it's a little embarrassing, but in a fight, like, you know, you can get knocked out cold in front of everybody in front of your family, in front of like anybody and everybody that's watching. And that's like a way, worse you know but at the same time on the flip side to be able to do that to somebody is a lot cooler in my opinion than to be able to pin somebody i mean maybe not a lot cooler but it's it's a little it's a it's almost like uh just a little grander like to knock a guy out cold on his feet versus you know to take a guy down and pin him and uh for whatever reason that is i think i think people just innately understand fighting a little better like they see somebody get knocked out and they know exactly what happened and, and, and for the pin, like that's true too, but it's a little less, it's a little harder to get, right. It's a little harder to wrap your head around, like as a, as a fan. And so, you know, for me, the feeling in the back, getting ready for a fight and getting, or getting ready for a match is super similar. I would say about like 95% the same, but there's that little inkling of like nuance where, Hey, like this is a little bit more, this is a little bit, uh, bigger scale a little bit crazier right like i'm gonna go fight some dude that i've never met in a cage like that's that's pretty crazy and so there's just that x factor that fighting has that kind of changes a little bit overall very similar but again fighting just kind of has i mean i'm I'm making my pro debut in a regional promotion in front of a thousand people and it was you know probably just as strong or a stronger feeling than you know headlining madison square garden in front of 25 30,000 people which i've done as well so, uh, yeah, I guess that's like a good, uh, kind of comparison. Oh, I like that. The garden at 30,000 people. And then you can take that same mentality as a fighter with only a thousand people watching you in a regional pro debut of an MMA career and get right. that same feeling. That's kind of neat that what about the scouting when you're an NCAA wrestler, a lot of times you have film you have an idea from the coaching staff of what the reputation, what the style, what the approach, what's, what, what your focus is going to be. Is it, are you breaking down a lot of film on this first opponent? Is there a lot of film of this guy out there? Did you have a game plan going into this? Cause you knew maybe what his weaknesses were. Yeah, I absolutely had a game plan. I think it's, it's, it's even more prevalent in fighting than it is in wrestling. You know, in wrestling, I, I watched some film here and there once in a while, or I had my coaches kind of tell me, you know, what this guy's go to, attacks were just so I could kind of be aware of it, but I didn't really watch film on my opponents. Maybe, you know, a couple minutes of film. Uh, this guy that I fought last time, he had like close to 30 fights. Um, and he had almost 10, uh, MMA fights. So he had a lot of film out there and I definitely, I was studying it a lot and I have a lot longer to prepare for one guy, right? Like, you know, I have uh, over a month to prepare for one person. Whereas, in wrestling, like, I don't even know who I'm going to wrestle in the first round a lot of times. I just got to go out there and do it. Or, you know, I got – I'm in the NCAA tournament. And I'm going to wrestle five matches. I don't even know who I'm wrestling second round, third round, and semis, finals. Like, I don't know. It, it could be anybody in the, in the bracket. So, you can't do as much film study. But for me, getting ready for one guy and, and 
figuring him out, figuring that puzzle out. I really enjoyed it. And that was definitely a big part of, you know, the, the, the lead up to the fight. I'm, I, I'm looking at my phone and I want to tell you why, Bo. Um, I have a lot of people that are big fans of you that are in my network, whether it's through hunting or whether it's through athletics. And um, I have some questions coming in that I may not have, you know, had ready or that I never even thought of. And one guy from the state of Minnesota that has a lot of background in wrestling says, Bo Nickel loves the high amplitude throws and always took a level of risk for throws that many shy away from. What was his mindset going into matches when you were looking, were you, he wants to know, were you looking for that at all times, those throws and why was it so easy for you to take those risks? And then Brian wants to know, how do you relate that to your MMA career? Are you still looking for that high level shot or that high level, something that's going to bring that quick knockout or that quick submission? So early in my career, I was absolutely looking for him right away. Like I was looking for, uh, you know, high amplitude throws here and there. So, you know, I think for a couple of reasons, one, you know, I, I wanted to hit a cool move, a big move. Like that was exciting for me Two, I wanted to get a pin, right? Like, I, like, you know, those big throws lead to lead to pins, lead to a lot of points. And, you know, that's how I just wrestled. That's the only way I know how to do it is to go for it. And so I definitely will transition that to fighting and the way I look at it and equate it to fighting is going for the finish. So, you know, Obviously, I can throw a dude off his feet in an MMA cage, and that's great. But I want to, I want to finish guys. I want to knock them out cold. I want to ground and pound them, TKO them. I want to be able to choke them out, submit them. You know, manipulate joints, break their arm, stuff like that. Like that's that's the kind of uh, equivalent for me in, in MMA to a big throw or a pin um, in wrestling. And so for me, I always will fight an exciting style because I'm going for the finish. I'm, I'm, you know not doing it in a reckless way. I'm doing it very calculated and methodical. So, you know, obviously this last fight only lasted 30 seconds, but I'm not afraid to go into the second, third, fourth, fifth round and be able to do that later in a fight either, because I'm coming into every fight to finish the guy. And I'm coming in with no emotion, only technique, only, only uh, strategy to do whatever I have to do to finish that guy. And like I said, anywhere it goes, whether that's, striking on the feet whether it's on the ground i got to choke them whether i got to break their arm whatever i have to do to do that that's what i'm going to be focused on the entire time do you think and this is along the same lines as the same individual's questions were you a fearless were you a fearless individual on the mat i'm talking about wrestling right now were you fearless i know you just said you're methodical and i know you say you have a game plan and i know you're you just said quote unquote that you're not doing it reckless but yeah. were you fearless? Would you like go into any match against anybody and be like, I'm Bo Nickel and I'm not afraid of shit? You know, it's funny that you say that because I think as a young kid growing up, part of the reason that I went for big moves and, and that I developed that style was because I was afraid a little bit. Like I had like a little bit of that fear in me where I felt like it scared me that I was like afraid to lose. I was like, Oh, like I can't be afraid to lose. Like I got to go for it even more. So like, I kind of like compensated for fear with like overdoing it. Like, Hey, like just send it right away in the first 30 seconds. Like who cares? Like just send it. And that was kind of, you know, for me, the way, the way that I dealt with my fear, you know, I, I didn't freeze up or um, like get too tense. I just like, went overboard the opposite way. I would be like too loose, too crazy, too wild. And so as I grew and matured as a competitor in wrestling, I learned like, Hey, I don't have to do that to every guy. I can just go be a better wrestler than them in seven minutes because I am, I am the better wrestler. So why leave it up to one wild exchange in the beginning? Because I won a lot of matches that way, but I also lost a lot of matches that way. I mean, and a lot's relative, right? It was a lot for me because I didn't lose very much, but I lost matches because I was too wild at the beginning. And um, that was just something that I had to learn from. And so I think that once I realized that, and then I did become fearless. And then I did start to really dominate the sport and, and transcend to a new level because I had all those skills where I could do those big moves, but I also wasn't 
going for them out of fear. I was more calculated and more methodical and, you know, I was still taking the risk, but it was just a very uh, planned and assessed risk versus just taking it at the beginning just to do it. So you say you were, you were scared in the early days of wrestling and then you transcended into more of a fearless approach that would have gotten those big throws going for the big win, the big finish. Do you, like we talked about before, Bo Nickel, as you're starting over and learning hands and kicks and different forms of this, this awesome game of MMA, do you go back to being scared a little bit again when you're, when you're going into a totally different game, when you see your opponent across that, what we call a lock cage? Now you're locked in. Like in wrestling, if you chose to, you could run up and hide behind the first 15 rows of the, the bleachers if you want. Now you're locked in this cage. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, you can jump over it, but it takes a little bit more. You're in there to fight now. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it is. Like this is gladiator. This is like true gladiator form. Lock the cage and let's go to battle. Are you scared again at this early point in your career? No, I think I, that's one thing that wrestling is so great is because I was able to learn that lesson. Like I learned the lesson in wrestling as a 17-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid, 19, like young age. And so I don't need to relearn it. Like I already, I did it. I went through this and, and I know that, that, yeah, I'm doing something new, but why do I need to learn the same lesson doing something new? And so for me, it's, I'm not coming in there without unsensically, but I am uh, coming in there like the same way that I approach wrestling matches later in my career without fear and knowing that, hey, I don't have to knock this guy out in 30 seconds to win the fight. Like I can go 15 minutes and, and just more believing in myself because I think that fear comes when you doubt yourself and you don't really believe in yourself wholeheartedly. And so for me now, I already learned that lesson and I know I can be anybody in the world. And I know there are many paths to victory. There's not just one for me. It's not a flip a coin thing. Like I'm going to win because I'm better prepared. I'm smarter. I'm stronger. I'm in better conditioning physically. And, and that's what I rely on. You know, I don't rely on random chance or, you know, feel like I need to go over the top with my wrist. I can just, you know, believe in myself and do what I'm trained to do. Do you, when you're in the cage and you, you have the mentality that you want to get a stoppage, you want to finish this guy fast. Where, where does it, where does it go back to the wrestling? And I don't know if I'm being premature when I say this, but like a lot of the highlights that you see of Bo Nickel right now, you're not shooting a high crotch. You're not doing an ankle pick. You're not double-legging a guy. And I'm, okay, and I might have missed something, so don't hold me to this. But I don't know if I'm seeing a lot of wrestling. Is this because they expect that and you're surprising them with these awesome hands and this power in these punches? Do you think that that's kind of you, you strategically setting them up for failure of like, hey, you better be ready for my wrestling because I'm going to take you down and put my body on you and I'm going to submit you or I'm going to tire you out to the point to where later on in the third, fourth round, you're going to get these hands sooner or later. Are you going to start, are you going to be a, a wrestler first and a, and a handsman second? Or are you so unpredictable now that your, your fan base doesn't know what to expect? You know, obviously my wrestling skills are, you know, in my opinion, the best to, come into the sport of MMA. So that's always going to be something that, you know, is, is my strong suit. And for me, I want to be a well-rounded fighter. I want to make sure that no matter where I'm at, what position, whether we're on the feet, whether I'm on top, whether I'm on bottom, like, I don't care. Like I can finish you from wherever it is. It doesn't matter where we're at in the fight. Like you got to be worried about stuff. And that's the approach that um, I take. And I, I want my, all, every single guy I fight to be fearful the whole time of what I'm going to do to them. You know, they, if I have to worry about 10 things, they have to worry about a thousand things that I can hit them with. And so that was my approach in wrestling. You know, I want to pin, be able to pin a guy from any position, top, bottom, neutral, doesn't matter. I, I want to be able, you, you need to have anxiety about me throwing you on your back and embarrassing you. The same thing in a fight, whether I'm going to knock you out, choke you out, submit you anyway, whatever it is, ground and pound you, like you got to worry about that. And I think that's a reason why, you know, people will always have to respect my wrestling and, you know, as I keep working and developing and striking, then, you know, I'm, my is going to be the best in MMA too. You know, that takes time. You know, I'm not there right now, 
but that's where I'm going to be. And uh, just my goal isn't to be, you know, the best wrestler in MMA. My goal is to be the best fighter on the planet. And I want to have, you know, the best skill set in every single area. And wherever the fight goes, like I have the advantage. A lot of your success depends on who you surround yourself with in this game, in my opinion. Um, when you're a boxer, you want to be maybe in Freddie Roach's gym at some point in your career because of his mentality and his reputation of being able to teach the greats. Um, when you're a wrestler, you think of the man that taught you a lot of what you learned. Probably considered the greatest NCAA wrestler of all the time with no losses in a career that stemmed for four full years at that, that high of a level, an Olympic gold medalist. We talked about the, the process in the, in the room for the Nittany Lions laid back, but you knew what was expected of you. You knew going in there that you're going to have high expectations, but you weren't, you weren't, you didn't have a lot of stress put on you. You put more of the stress on yourself. You said that, but now Bo Nickel, you got to have a good coaching staff. You got to have somebody that can teach you martial arts. You got to have somebody that can teach you submissions. You got to have somebody that can teach you boxing and the science of throwing hands. Defense. How do you cover up? How do you defend all of these different mentality or these different disciplines that are also coming at you at the same time? How does that transcend? Are you holding your coaches to a, a different level of expectation because of what Coach Sanderson proved his whole entire career and what he taught you as a man and as an athlete at the NCAA college division one level? Do you hold your coaches now in the MMA professional career to a higher standard because of him? Yeah, 100 percent. You know, and I think obviously Coach Kale is such a huge factor in my life and what he was able to teach me and the lessons that I was able to learn. But even before that, it starts with my dad. Luckily, you know, my dad coached me and he was an amazing coach from the time I was five years old all the way through high school. And so he really laid, you know, that foundation of who I am as a competitor just by being with me through all those years and teaching me so much. Coach Kale at Penn State really, you know, took me to another level of, you know, ability and and not only physically but mentally and um aligning myself more with, uh, you know, who I want to be and my goals and things like that. And, um, so without a doubt, moving forward in my MMA career, that's, that's the standard for me is the best. And luckily I'm with American top team and was fortunate to meet some amazing people in the sport. And for me, like a lot of people want to teach me stuff and show me stuff. Every time I go to a gym, it's like people trying to correct me and do this and that. And, like I just have to block out 90% of it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm aware of what's going on and I'm trying to listen to them, but it's easy for me because I did have great coaches to figure out who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. So, you know, that's another big thing. Like anytime you go to MMA gym, you're going to have some random dude trying to teach you what to do once in a while. They'll know what they're doing. And, you know, I can, I can sense that, but for the most part, you got to know, like just to tune it out and, most people like they just want to tell you stuff to tell you stuff like it's not really good advice so yeah for me my coaches move forward like it's the best of the best and i'm just really fortunate and grateful to be surrounded by the people that you know i have in my life i don't know if you can answer this or not but this is coming off of a question that was submitted to me but i'm changing it up a little bit when you have the physique that you do and people look at you as a warrior, as a gladiator, an NCAA multiple-time champion. Um, I mean, I can't even tell everybody how what you did in the game as far as what your achievements were. But are you blessed with good genetics? Does anything replace the hard work it takes to stay in shape? And where I want you to go with this, please, Bo Nickel, is on an education motivational thing of maybe what Coach Kell would say or what you would say to your students in the wrestling game when you get invited to coach a clinic or a camp. How do we take that first step of not being fat, of not getting so out of shape that we can't tie our shoes? And I'm saying this because 
I don't do it in a critical judgmental way, but I often feel bad for people that get to the point to where they're almost at a point of no return. I hope you understand what I'm saying, because you could look at somebody like you and go like, well, well, he doesn't have anything to worry about. Well, yeah, he does. He, he could easily go the other way if he didn't have this mindset. Is it all mindset, Mr. Bo Nickel, or could you give us some words of advice and motivation to get us going down that right track? To get, to get to the level of comfort to where we can at least tie our shoes or we can go swimming and not be out of breath or walk up and down the stairs. How, how, do, you do, how do you teach somebody that? Because I know you see it too, and it's hard to, it's hard to watch a lot of times. How do, we, how do we get people going down the right track? That's a really, that's a really tough question and a tough, uh, a tough thing to answer for sure. Um, I think that, you know, for me, this uh a lot of people i've had a lot of people in my life say oh well yeah you know of course he wins like look at him you know he's blessed this and that great great coaches and he's fit he's athletic you know he has this and that and what people don't realize is like i've literally been pursuing this not at a like at a high level you know in my mind since i was seven years old it's not something that i'm just like happen to be good at like I've been pursuing, I put 20 years of work or let's say that I I put 15 years of work in up till college that most people didn't, you know, work as hard as I did as a six, seven, eight year old. They, they just started working that way when they were 20 years old. Like, so I'm 15 years ahead of everybody in wrestling. Like, you know, obviously there's, there's a few guys that, you know, are doing the, the same things. And so they were competitive with me, but that's, that was the standard. I started at that age. And so by the time I got to college, I had 15 years on these guys. Anybody that, you know, decided to get serious at a, as a teenager, like, all right, bro, well, you got 10 years of work to do to catch up to me and I'm still working. I'm not stopping. And so I think the name of the game for people that just, you know, want to be fit, that want to better their life and to be able to live a, a healthy life It's just to be consistent. You know, don't give yourself unrealistic goals. If you're 300 pounds and overweight, you can't say, I want to be 140 pounds and have a six pack tomorrow. Like that's not going to happen. So just give yourself realistic goals that you can achieve and play the long game. Like it's always the long game. You know, it's never, all right, I'm going to do this for a week or I'm going to do this for a month and see how it turns out. I'm going to do this for a year and see how it turns out. Like, you got to plan for 20 years. You got to plan for your whole life. Like, how do you want to set your life up? What do you, what do you want to do with it? And so that's just something that I considered at a young age at six, seven years old. I want I, I knew where I wanted to be at 25. So I made things happen and I knew that I wasn't going to get there in a day. I knew that I wasn't going to get there just by, you know, in a year, I knew it wasn't just gonna, I knew I wasn't there at the time but I knew I wanted to be in 20 years and every, not, I won't say, you know, every decision I made, but a vast majority of the decisions that I made were based on that, you know, missing when I, as a kid, I had to miss a lot of birthday parties. I I had to go to bed early when my friends stayed out late. I had to, you know, not, not go to the lake and, and, you know, go to practice in a sweaty and be all sweaty in a gym on the weekend. I, I didn't get to go hunting a bunch as a kid. Luckily I have more time now and I can, but that's something that I would have liked to have done. And I had to give up and sacrifice a lot of this stuff because I knew where I wanted to be when I was 25, 28, 30, 35, 40 years old. And it's hard for people to associate where they will be in 20 years with what they, the decision they make today. But the fact is there's direct association and correlation between each and every decision you make right now today and where you'll be in 10, 15, 20 years. And so I think that's just what I would say is we're all playing the long game here. You know, you might not think it, you might be only focused on what's immediately in front of you, but you gotta, you gotta realize that everything that you do impacts your future self and not just your future self in a month or a year, but your entire life. So yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome advice from a man that, it's very easy to take for granted what you've done to get to where you're at. And I, and I love the ideology and the mindset that it doesn't happen overnight. This is a, 
lifestyle. This is something to where if you, you very easily could get off of your workout regimen and start eating Twinkies and have a little bit of a dad bod and a little pooch belly in the next three years. Your mentality is not allowing you to do that. Your career is not going to allow you to do that. You it's, it's that mindset of a champion that I call it. And it's so evident in wrestlers. I freaking am so envious and I don't get jealous, Bo Nickel. I, I have a great life and I'm so, I'm so honored to have it. I want to stay humble through it. But I'm so envious and jealous of wrestlers. I wish I would have been a great wrestler. Even just one match in high school to be under that spotlight in the state championships and get that letter on my letterman's jacket. Not that I need validation, but I want to be a champion and I want to be a champion in life. I want to win every day. I don't need to beat somebody up every day, but I want to win the day every day. And I think that that mindset that you just painted that picture of is perfect. I appreciate your time. I have one thing to end on and we could talk forever. We are going to bring Bo Nickel back on our sister podcast, the foul life, because after he keeps demolishing dudes in the octagon, we are going to get on a duck hunt together this fall. And we're going to talk about that in duck camp as we throw down on the Traeger on a high protein wild game diet. You're in New York. It's the second half of the final X beat the streets. You have friends there, but I'm going to ask for some predictions, Bo Nickel, to end our conversation. First off, were you surprised at Seth Gross with this big upset over Oklahoma State's Dalton Fix? Is this a surprise to you? I was surprised. You know, I, I, I didn't really see that coming. I didn't really see him as even a threat to, uh, to fix, to be quite frank, but, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I'm not really close with either of those guys personally. And uh, it just goes to show that wrestling is unforgiving, right? Like if you're, if you're not continuing to evolve and get better and improve, it doesn't matter if you were a world silver medalist this past year, like, like fix was like there are people that are coming for you. And it's, it's the same at that weight as it is at every single other weight. So just because you're on top doesn't mean you're going to stay there. You got to continue to have that attitude and mindset of, constant improvement and and you got to really be passionate and love it so not to say that fix doesn't but obviously Seth Gross was hungry and he wanted it what are you what are your predictions for some of the matches tonight it's the best out of three um event let's take um one of the Olympic greats with a guy Jordan Burroughs that had a great NCAA career he's had a, a great career after what kind of wrestler do you consider Jordan Burroughs um, how do you look at his career and how, how would you qualify him on, you know, that list of some of the greatest wrestlers of all time? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that he's up there, up there. I mean, I think this is, he's, he's trying to make his seventh world team and win his seventh, uh, world championship this past year, which, you know, could be, it, it might be unmatched. And, you know, for me, when I look at a guy like Burroughs, I just think of a guy who, who wants it, who's tenacious, who is, you know, disciplined and unwilling to sacrifice his goals. Like he does whatever he has to do to win. And, uh, you know, he's been largely successful his entire career. I mean, largely successful is a huge understatement, but, you know, I think that guy will do whatever he has to do to win a match and to, uh, you know, take home, the gold gold medal like he's not a guy that is going to ever give up you know has a lot of heart has a lot of belief in himself and yeah i mean he uh he'll probably win tonight i mean obviously he's wrestling a tough guy chance marsteller young guy a lot of uh savviness a lot of you know good technique but i think burrows is a is a better athlete and he's a guy that doesn't quit doesn't give up stays in good position, gritty, tough. And I mean, I would, I would find that I, I think he'll probably take it, take it in two matches could go to third match, but I don't really see him losing that series. Bo nickel goes with Jordan Burroughs. What about our mutual friend, magic man, Taylor? Yeah. Is this an, is this an easy prediction for you? Yeah. You know, to me, to me, David, David's uh, going to be he's, – he's the best guy at the weight for us, without a doubt. Um, you know, I think that he probably wins in two. I don't think Zahid can 
keep up with the pace. I don't think he has the cardio. I think that if he does score points early, that he can't really – he's not going to be able to hold David off the whole time. His defense isn't as as good uh, as what it needs to be to, and his conditioning. But I, And I think David is a good style matchup uh, against the Heat just because he scrambles, he has – great offense and he's relentless he's he's pretty strong big for the weight and I think that's going to be a really tough puzzle for Zahid to solve just because his I don't have faith in him for six minutes in a in a in a match with David I think that David will wear him down and uh Zahid could score early but I see David finishing strong and scoring a lot at the end I agree with you on the first two. This is going to be the toughest one for you, in my opinion, because I know he's a training partner. I know he's a good friend. I know you're there to be in his corner, but he's also wrestling one of the greatest there is right now with four NCAA titles at four different weight divisions. Um, Kind of had a misstep in the Olympics, but comes back and wins the world title. Um, Kyle Dake is a, an extraordinary wrestler. What happens with him and your good friend Nolf tonight? Is it? Can you talk on this? Um, yeah. And what's your prediction? You know, we really. This is an interesting matchup for a lot of reasons. One, I'm super invested in it because you know Nolf is one of my best friends, guy that I I love and have known for a long time. And you know, Kyle Dake being one of the best guys in the world, it's, it's always exciting. But in addition to that, we have just a defensive juggernaut, in my opinion, that Kyle Dake is. You know, he has a lot of ways to score, but really known for his defense versus Nolf, who he's all gas, no breaks, you know, all offense. And uh, I think what's really different in this match than in past matches is that it's two things. One, Jason has a lot more freestyle experience right now than what he had when they wrestled prior. And two, he's had a game plan and a strategy that he's coming in with. You know, all through his entire life, Jason Nolf never had to ever game plan for a match. He just, his game plan was smash. And, you know, he won. He was one of the winningest wrestlers in college wrestling history with that game plan for every single opponent, just smash him. But you're coming up against Kyle Dake, you have to game plan. You have to prepare for this match. This is a different level of professionalism and a different level of competitor than what you're used to typically. And that was a good learning experience for Nolf, you know, to know like, hey, I can't just go out there and smash this dude. Like, he's not going to break and wear down and give up. Like, I got to come in there with a plan and a strategy. So for me, that's exciting to know that, you know, he's growing as a competitor with his approach and how he's coming into the match. And I think it's going to be a fun one. I think that people will be surprised with the way that it goes. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes three um, at all. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I got to ride with my dog. Like, you know, I think Jason Nolf can score on Dake. I think he can, Obviously, he's not getting tired, and I think he can and shut Dake down too, because you know, as as great as Kyle Dake is, like his offense, not super dynamic, doesn't really Im- impress me that much. I am super impressed by his defense, and so I think that's the battle that we'll see: is offense juggernaut versus defensive juggernaut. And I think that uh, you know the way it plays out, I'm a, I'm an offensive guy myself, so I think offense takes it. You're going with Nolf. Yes, sir. I, I'm going with Dake just because I think he's exactly how you just described him. And plus, he's just got more experience, I think, at that higher level of this big match. But, again, you said it yourself, and I know for a fact in the NCAA career, Nolf was an absolute smasher. And I, I cannot wait to watch it. Now, let me ask you this to end this. We talked about how fearless Bo Nickel is. Are you going to be like that mom tonight or that wife watching you from the outside of that octagon of, oh, my God, it's I don't want to see. Oh, wait, I, I got to look away because I've heard that a lot from family members uh, that go to these fights. 
when when your good buddies on the match against somebody like Kyle Dake, do you get that overwhelming feeling of nervosa that goes like almost anxiety builds up in you because you want it so bad for your friend more so than you would even be more you know let you'd probably be less nervous if it was yourself in this position does that make sense oh yeah way worse way worse to watch i hate it i like literally i don't know it's there it, it watching my friends compete is like the best and worst feeling like you know i, I would so much rather be out there um myself and uh, obviously, I want it so bad for them, but it's like it gives me it gives me anxiety big time. Like I love these guys so much, and I just want them to get what they want. I know how hard they work, but at the end of the day, like I literally have no say. I, I can just you know do what I can to help them prepare and get ready, and you know continue to pray for them and ask God to watch over them. But yeah, it's really hard. I uh, I have a hard time dealing with that, and. I can't imagine, you know, watching some of my friends fight, especially when we're getting to going to get into bigger fights. That's going to be, you know, a really hard thing for me to deal with when I'm that invested and have no say. But I just love these guys all no matter what. I just want them to be happy and do well. And so for me, like, yeah, it's a really hard thing to, to deal with. But I just love them no matter what. And yeah, I you're just it, want you're- to be there to support them. You were the man, Bo Nickel. You're in New York to support your friends. All, they're pretty much family to you. Beat the streets, second half of a huge qualifier. Huge qualifier for the world team. Do you stay dedicated? You're coming off of a victory where you smashed a dude. Like, put him out quick. We were entertained to answer your question that you posted the other day. Will you eat some New York pizza tonight? Some Italian food? Will you cheat on this Bo Nickel diet a little bit and eat some carbs and carb up? Will you go to a sushi restaurant and throw down on a bunch of salmon with some rice or is it all sashimi? How disciplined are you going to stay in New York? Do you get to drink a cold beer once in a while? Do you even drink a cold beer ever with this lifestyle and this mentality having to be at your top of your game at all times? Uh, no, nah, I don't do that. I, I uh, you know, I'll do that when I'm done, when I'm 35 and retired and, and the pound for pound number one and everything I've set out to accomplish uh, is done. Then I'll have, you know, another 50 years to enjoy my life and, and do all that stuff. So for now, it's 100 percent dedication to my craft, to what I'm pursuing. And on that, all that stuff is nice. And I'm not following anybody that, that does it because I would love to personally. Like I, I didn't always have this dedication, um, you know, as a, as a young kid, you don't really know, but. Now, you know, being a, I'm a real professional, you know, I'm not one of those guys that says, says one thing and does another, like I'm dedicated to this all in. And, you know, again, I would love to, it's not something that I look down upon at all. I'm envious. I'm envious of the people that do that. But for me, I'll have a lot of time to do that once I'm retired and uh, sitting on top. Well, I'm going to be there that night that you decide to have that cold beer and duck camp where I can't wait to see you. Um, perform again. Your MMA career is going to be stellar. Congratulations on the victory on your premier fight as a professional, Bo Nickel. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit I, I'm a little bit selfish. I wish that you were still in the wrestling game because I would like to see you th- throw some people around tonight and get some sticks. Congratulations on the win, my man. Thank you for your time today, and can't wait to see you fight next time. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate you having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Let's get together this fall. Hang on one second while I end this. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, the great Bo Nickel. Follow this dude. He's inspirational. He's a guy. I'm I'm twice this guy's age. I'm probably 20 years old. How old are you? I'm 47 years old. How old are you, Bo? 26. I'm 21 years older than this kid, and he influences and inspires me because I love excellence. Be at the top of your game. We don't have to be the best every single day or the ch- uh, or better than anybody, but if we just own our own destiny and we win every day, you can do it. I, I try to do it every day, and I fall off. I have a cold beer once in a while. I get off on a sushi run once in a while, but I want balance. I want moderation. I want to be consistent. I want to have a good mindset. I want to have a good psyche. I want to stay positive and optimistic. It's easy to get down. It's easy to get dark. Even the most successful people in the world get dark sometimes and that's okay it's healthy it's how you come out of that darkness it's how you rebound it's how you find motivation from failure because the late michael jordan even said it he had to learn to fail before he ever learned to succeed i know that that's the same mentality of coach kel sanderson at penn state it's the same as bo nickel and david magic man taylor we can go on and on the mentality of a wrestler a warrior a gladiator a fighter it's an amazing mindset and you don't ever have to even throw a punch to have it 
just win the day every day. And that's all I can keep telling myself because I look back on my career as a baseball player and I just wish I got to go one time in a singlet and throw with somebody or try to throw somebody over my back or just chicken wing them, do something that I got to win and got my hand raised. I don't think there would be a better feeling in the world than to have my hand raised as a wrestler in this country. Congratulations, Bo Nickel. Thank you for being here. Everybody go out and win the day. Let's support individuals and great Americans like Bo Nickel. He's fighting the good fight. I appreciate him on the show. We're going to go out of this episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody, brought to you again by the one and only Jack Daniels. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in us. Enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. Remember, everything in moderation. We're going to go out with Leith Lofton. This song is called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone. Thank you all very much. We're all equal, that's what I think. I don't believe even has a bank. Make good use of your time on earth. And don't make a dollar bill all this world Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone I'd rather be 